0: come to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative.
1: And we're live. Did, did it not,
0: not do the thing? We're not live. It doesn't do that anymore. We're doing GarageBand now.
1: Oh. It doesn't do clicks. Oh, it does has been a while. Beep, beep, beep. All right, we're starting.
0: Now, I, did, now I just say Go. <laughs>
1: But is it one, two, three, go
0: or one, two, three, go on. No, you go on, you go on, go
1: <laughs>
0: like rock, scissors, paper, one, no, two, rock, three, scissors, rock,
1: rock, paper, scissors, match or whatever you go on match on match match or whatever. never
0: heard that. I just do one, two, three, and then you uh, the, rock, you,
1: paper, scissors, go. Yes. Rock, and paper, and scissors, you go on match. the go.
0: And then some people go on the scissors and then that's just a psychological problem and they're bad and then it just messes up the whole thing
1: okay so i'm confused are we going and go one two three go welcome to the podcast (laughs) this is father nathan father michael this is catholic stuff you should know that was about a minute more than you thought you were bargaining for and what what is the uh what is the
0: there's the, the that tv show that everybody's thinking of when we did that um big bang theory they added two more Rock, paper, scissors, something Spock. Really? And they arranged like everything so that, you know, Spock covers paper, whatever it was. It was brilliant. Sweet. I saw it once. Rock, paper, scissors, something Spock.
1: Oh, yeah. Chainsaw. (laughs) Rock, paper, scissors, chicken, chainsaw. (laughs) Really? At least we played that at camp, I think. (laughs) That is awesome. Rock, paper, scissors, chicken, chainsaw. So what beats the chainsaw? Rock, I think. Oh, okay.
0: I guess that makes sense. <laughs> uh
1: whatever. All
0: right. So our topic is Catholic rockers paper.
1: We're already we're already going to the topic. <laughs> no I don't know. We ate lunch beforehand, so yes, we're feeling, we we're feeling a little weighted down. We had potbelly.
0: Yes, Chicago zone.
1: It's pretty tasty. That's because you
0: just got back from Chicago.
1: I did not get back <laughs> from Chicago. <laughs> Went nowhere near that place. Actually, it was funny. Near I Chicago. got on the plane in Decatur. I I flew out of Decatur to St. Louis, 56 bucks, Ooh. 56 bucks for a two hour flight.
0: And how long would that take to drive
1: or for, excuse me, 56 bucks for a 35 minute flight. That would have been a, normally a two, hour, two flight, hour drive. Okay. Two hour drive. And my, my parents had had to drive down and then drive back. And I just said, Oh, I see. Why don't we yeah, just yeah. go to Decatur? Yeah. I'll pay the 56 bucks and we got to have a drink in the bar. Nice. But I got on the plane. And it was just me and this other lady who I couldn't tell if she was Muslim or a sister. Yeah. <laughs> Which actually, that would be a really interesting podcast to see yeah. if the if the roots of nuns' habits have anything in connection with, like, as we know them, you know, kind of like, like the Muslim headdress and all So, that. like, if nuns' habits influenced Muslim garb i think well i I, yeah they probably came beforehand so anyways uh because the reason why was because she was wearing pink and i know there Uh, are pink sisters in st louis particularly yeah so i couldn't really tell uh but i got on the plane and i sit down and like the pilot literally just turns around and he says hey welcome everyone uh we're going to chicago and i'm like uh what <laughs> and he goes ah, i'm just kidding with you we're going to st louis and i'm like this is weird so anyways um did you no, see that there, there was something on social media gone. there was a guy who i think he lives
0: i think he lives in cleveland and he painted on the top of his business or his house like this massive thing that's right by the airport welcome to milwaukee a uh, huge paint on the top just, just to confuse like everybody in the plane. Or he lives in Milwaukee and is welcome to Cleveland or something like that. Anyway, right. it
1: was it was incredibly clever just to scare everybody on the plane. That would No. Yeah. That would definitely scare me. So anyways, I just got back from my home visit. Uh I have been off from parochial life for the last pretty much two weeks. Oh, we had convocation yeah. and then um I was there at the parish for one day and then flew home. For my niece's First Communion, shout out to Sophia Claire Goble. She made nice. her First Communion.
0: That's a beautiful name, Sophia Claire.
1: Sophia Claire. She, uh, so Father Rayson, who's the pastor at St. Matt's, uh, decided to let me preach. And uh, I was actually more intimidated to preach at at, at this other parish uh, for the First Communion than I was to do like any of the liturgies at my own parish or whatever yeah. else. I didn't know anything about this crowd. Um, And part of the reason why I was nervous was because right before we went up, he said, I already told your niece that if your homily is bad, she can give me the signal and (laughs) I'll give you first communion instead of you. (laughs) I'm like, ah. So it had to be good. But
0: yeah, actually, I got to give, uh, I went down for one of my goddaughter's first communions down to Caprini. Oh, yeah, who uh, was it? uh, Little Marielle um, Williamson. Marielle. Marielle Williamson. She's my second goddaughter. I have, since so I pray for them every liturgy, Anna, Mariel, Emma, Sophia, Benjamin, Nathan, Naomi. Those are my godchildren. Nice. And in the Byzantine liturgy, you put a particle um, of bread onto the discos for each person you're praying for. And so I put one on for each of them, of course, every time. But it it is really nice because like I tell, I even told like the... The girls at Jelly the other day, like they're just non, non-Christian. non Some are falling away and some just never even had that influence in life at all. And I was describing to one of them, I was like, yeah, I put a particle of bread on, you got on the discos for you guys every single day. And she's like what? And I was like, well, I don't know what that is, but I explained it to her and she like started crying. Yeah. I was like, there, there, there's something so nice about, it. I thought of you and I did something tangible, some sacramental sign sure. for this out of like when, when you come to mind or when I'm praying for you guys, I don't put one on for each of them. I just put one on for all the jelly girls and Jack is one, one dude that works there.
1: That's and then nice you the said, Jelly Girls. Jelly girls, girls. And Jack. when I think about heaven, I think about <laughs> angels. When I think about angels, it's a heavenly tune. Do you remember that song?
0: I can't think of what song it is, but yes, I recognize it.
1: When I think about heaven, I think about singing. When I think about singing, it's heavenly. Is that it? When I think about heaven, oh, when I think about tunes, I think about angels. When I think about heaven, I think about you. Okay. Whatever.
0: That was for our previous podcast, the heaven podcast. Exactly. Is it when I think about heaven? Is that it? I can't even think about who that is, but.
1: We you can't sing it. on the podcast. Anymore. Why not? We've already had enough trouble oh, with copyrights yeah. and everything.
0: Somebody, so one of our one of our helpers posted a once once all the remixes were done. By the way, congratulations exactly. to us. Not that we did anything not to about us, it, but to <laughs> them, to, to brother Tim. God bless you guys immensely. They but put to a Mike. lot of work. Mike, yeah, I mean that yeah, Mike has work. Exactly.
1: Those the, guys, like, if you want to send in a special gift. That the hosts of the podcast are not allowed to eat or drink or consume in any way. Send it to the attention of Mike and Brother Tim, and Brother Tim, who is now Deacon Brother Tim. Nice,
0: Congratulations, Brother Tim. Yeah, they, they 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 reworked every single one of our illegal podcasts to make them legal. Cut the cut the front off. Okay.
1: I mean, like, do we really have to say
0: illegal? It, I think, I think that's what they said. <laughs> it was that it was illicit. illegal, illicit. illicit, illicit podcasts with our, our theme song, our old theme song. Um, yeah, they worked them all. So, uh, brother Tim, when he, when, when it was done, he posted on Facebook on our, so he and I both do the Facebook page, the podcast Facebook page. Um, so he posted a picture of, um,
1: Napoleon Dynamite.
0: Nope. Uh, Oh my goodness! I'm spacing his name. What's the guy from the '80s? The the uh, fighter Macho
1: Man? No. Hulk Hogan? No.
0: He, he's a uh, karate. No.
1: Karate Kid? No. Bruce Lee? <laughs> no. Uh,
0: the white guy. The oh Jean Claude Van? Great. No. The guy. The guy. The guy with the, all these jokes. All these memes are about him now. Oh Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris. Thank you. Oh, Everybody's screaming into their computers, into their car radios. Chuck Norris. So it was Chuck Norris. He put a picture of Chuck Norris with his thumbs up, and somebody posted on yes. there like. Chuck Norris is gonna sue you guys for using his image. Oh. No. Like, <laughs> that's that's a that's a soft spot for us, obviously.
1: Chuck Norris is getting old enough. I think that Mike Rapp could take him. <laughs> but only Mike Rapp. Yeah, <laughs> only, only Mike, Mike Rap. Father yeah. Mike. <laughs> Anywho, uh it was a good trip. You had quite the event. You wanna fill him uh, in on your uh Yeah, a week
0: and a half ago I totaled my car. And uh, totally. I have an old car. I have a ninety-eight Honda, but I love my ninety-eight yeah, Honda. It's, it's a stick shift. It's a stick shift. Where where can you get a stick shift anymore? And I uh-huh. I've, I've I've only owned one car that was not a stick shift. I love manual transmissions. And the past two cars I've had are both gifts from very generous people. And both of them were ninety-eight, so they were old. But this car was a the my the car I had before that was a BMW, an old ninety eight BMW that somebody gave me, and it did not have a stick shift. It was the first time I've ever owned a car that did not have a stick shift. So I got a 98 Honda Accord, manual transmission, beautiful thing. And then I had a passenger in the car driving up to my outreach in Fort Collins. And
1: you had a passenger in there?
0: Yes, I did. Ooh. It was Sarah Stacey. That's why I I, oh. I looked over at her. That was a problem as we were discussing of all things Macklemore. So Macklemore oh, song came on the radio, <laughs> and then uh, then I was like, "Did you know?" I was trying to impress her. Did you know this is the same guy that did Thrift Shop? And she's like, "No." And I was like, "Yes, it is." And I looked very intensely. You're like, Macklemore also did this song. I forget what song it was. And then I looked back on the road, <laughs> and everybody stopped. Some of my brakes, and I I could have I would have bet you half my salary that I was not going to hit the person. My car just slid so much further than I thought it would, yeah, and bunk right in the back for it. anyway, it was such an old car, so it it uh it totaled it I, but my brother, God bless him, sh- shout out to Sean O'Loughlin, He oh,
1: yeah.
0: literally came down and there was something wrong with the radiator, so I was trying to get up to, up to his house in Fort Collins, where he has all those tools, mechanic tools, so he comes and i go I drive and said mask mass for the Sisters of Life in my car in my busted up car dripping coolant the whole way, dripping coolant the whole way back. And I said, guys, you know, sisters, please pray for me because I hope I can make it home. I'm dripping a lot of coolant in my car. It's just totally messed up. So I drive it back. I make it. Sean comes, sees the car, sees where the hole in the radiator is, literally just takes out his chewing gum, sticks it in the hole, puts some like auto cement, some AB tack on top, and then like just drove it up to Fort Collins, an hour ride, made it just fine. Puts more coolant in before he did it, drove it up there. And now... Insurance gave me almost two thousand dollars for like one thousand nine hundred and something dollars for it, and my brother's fixing it up for about three hundred. Hmm. So I'm making money off this total, total wreck, off savage Macklemore. title. Off, yeah, off my, off my knowledge of MacLemore. I'm trying to impress Sarah Stacey about my knowledge of modern white
1: boy hip hop. Nice. Ugh. Uh, can I ask one question about the accident? Uh, maybe. I don't know if I'll answer it or not. Did you? Uh, <laughs> did you downshift?
0: No. And there's no analog brakes. I just, I mean, I just slammed on the brakes. Okay.
1: I'm just wondering if you would have, if you, if you had enough time, yeah, if you would have shifted it into second gear and let off on the clutch.
0: No, no I was in. Yeah, I was, in, I was in complete shock. You're probably right. That would have been the perfect thing but to do. That would have been. But I was just totally startled by split it. Split second. And I, I said a bad word. I cursed really loud in kittens. the car. And I apologize to Sarah Stacey. And she was just like, it's okay. And I was like, I know, but I don't want to be that guy. Like, I don't, I don't cuss. So I do.
1: Father Michael does not. I cuss. don't.
0: I I don't. And but the, i was like that's like one of the only times I've cussed. The other time was working service industry and the espresso machine that I was making an espresso with at the restaurant I worked at when I was in college exploded on me. And I screamed like so, I cussed so loud, like in this really nice restaurant, and I swear the Holy Spirit just covered people's ears because one of the waiters came up and he's like, oh my gosh. And I just had like coffee all over the front of myself. Yeah. And he comes up. He's like, you okay? I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm sorry for cussing. He's like, you cussed? I was like, dude, I am still in shock that those words came out of my mouth. <laughs> but it was like this nice restaurant that like people seem to have not heard. it. They all laughed at me for having coffee all over myself, but like nobody heard it. I was like, thank you, Holy Spirit. Perfect. Covering right. people's ears.
1: So he's all right. He's all right. I'm He's fine. have his Sarah's car back. Fine. Sean's
0: got it. Sean's fixing it. I'll have it back next Sunday. And in the meantime, I'm driving his Ford that is a stick shift. Oh, that sick. car is a, so I um, I'm enjoying my manual transmission anyway. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And I can pay the fee for running into somebody cuz yeah. I got a ticket obviously cuz you just get you just get in trouble yeah. for hitting if you hit anybody, so
1: blah. How much was that? I don't know yet. Probably like 250. Uh, okay. Well, um I, this this podcast is in part inspired by two things. One is this essay by uh, Hans Urs von Balthasar called "Loneliness in the Church." It's in volume four of Explorations in Theology. No, I am not sending you a free book uh, <laughs> of this of this one. Thank you to all who have yeah. requested uh, copies of Porn Myth. Um, I ordered them and. Um, we will be sending them out shortly. Everyone sent in their, um, sent in their address again. Uh, just to reiterate, we are only sending copies to people who, because of financial burden, cannot purchase it themselves. Um, if you're, you know, want to buy it and have the money for it, God bless you. But uh, we're gonna assume that cost. We have some uh, a few people that have offered to do that for us. Uh, yes. So hopefully, you'll be getting those in the mail soon enough. Um, This is uh, Loneliness in the Church, an essay by Baltazar. That's the first thing. That's what I read on the plane uh, back to Illinois, which is great. And uh, my, uh, let's see here, my cousin-in-law, Kevin Bennett, um, who's a great dude uh, from uh, Seacor, Seacor? Sparland. Sparland, Illinois. Um, They live just outside of Chillicothe right near my grandma's parish. And he brought all of his kids over when I said Mass at St. Ed's in Chillicothe. He was talking to me about their uh, son having baseball practice on Sunday. Yeah. Um, and, um, And we were supposed to go to this restaurant in Peoria that has amazing pizza called Knuckles. Knuckles Pizza in Dunlap, I think. Uh, it was so good. And we were going to go there and drink craft beer and, uh, you know, just celebrate as a, as a family. And somebody said, well, you know, I think I have, um, I think I have baseball practice on Sunday. And he's like, I wish they wouldn't do, uh, practices on Sunday because Sunday is for family pizza and craft beer. (laughs) And and we were also like, uh, one of his daughters had like this like beanie baby kitten. Okay. And we took it away from her, and we're playing keep away. And then we started playing hacky sack with this kitten, oh. which looked amazing. Like <laughs> so, and he's like, "That's what that's what Sundays are for."
0: That's what Sabbath means in Hebrew. What family? Family kicking, sk- kicking, kicking, kids, beanie kicking beanie baby, baby cats around and and craft beer.
1: Yeah. So, anyways, the. Um, Part of the reason why I I was so inspired by that was because I was like, he's passing on to his kids a tradition. Yeah. He's passing on to his kids uh, a life that he has received. Somebody taught him this. Hmm. Or he's experienced it himself, whether through other people or or whatever. Um, And he's found life through that. And he's actually trained that into his family. So I his son didn't go to baseball practice. Now granted it was like pouring down rain and they weren't gonna have baseball practice anyways. Still. And yeah. it's debatable about whether or not baseball practice would break the Sabbath. But it, I think it certainly would if as a parent you have to take your kid to practice and then mm. pick him up. I mean, if you were the coach or something like that, like right. there's just kind of a a rest in that. Yeah. Uh we're certainly not orthodox, you know, Jews that say you can't do anything right. on On the Sabbath, but but the real question was about tradition. And um, uh, do you guys have any traditions in your family that you guys do either like weekly or like that are unique to your family?
0: On Sabbath or just any time? Just any time. Um. Well, actually, yeah, but it is on the Sabbath too. So new tradition. Sometimes my parents moved to Fort Collins. There is a a lake, uh, maybe about a Mm -hmm. ten minute walk from my parents' house, and we will walk to that lake. And there's a little like. Um over poor area um like where where the the water if it overflows out of the lake will go down, and we all will go there and we'll sit on that big piece of cement and like let the kids throw wood and rocks into the lake and just chat but it 's like but we kind of expect it now it's like hey if it's the summer, if we can walk Sunday evenings, we all go yeah. to my parents' house, we have food. We do that. Then we come home and actually smoke cigars, drink scotch, and sit out and have a bonfire in the backyard. Even
1: the little kids just out <laughs> there with their bubblegum cigar.
0: Oh, I have a picture of my nephew with a cigar in his mouth. I should probably put that as the photo, uh, Facebook photo for this podcast.
1: <laughs> as long as his mother knows. <laughs> yeah. So uh, at least our family, like we, we have certain movies hmm. that we've kind of inherited and we just know them backwards and nice. forwards. Nice. You know, kind of like inside jokes or whatever. Um, but my brother was able to take his nieces or his nieces, his daughters, uh, to see this movie called duck soup okay. by, uh, the Marx brothers. Okay, We know like all of the songs, all of the jokes, you know, like we just quote different lines from time to time. Um, and his kids loved it, you know, and it was great for him to be able to bring them into that life. Yeah. Um, and so the question is. Uh, what are the kind of traditions that we're passing on, uh, to, to one another? And I just want to highlight this line from, uh, from Balthazar. So, so bear with me in the church. This is what we mean by tradition. And indeed what people are now trying so desperately to retrieve was earlier something understood as a matter of course. It already knew itself back then as tradition It was a tradition borne along by a stream that came from wide and deep tributaries, reaching all the way back to the early fathers and kept alive by being handed on. For in this handing on there were not only new births, new generations, pushing up to revivify the church, there was also and above all the memory of the dead themselves. And the fusion of the remembered church with these dead was the surest seal of her reliability. She was the companion in death, the church who protected one's whole life, and the clergy at the deathbed making sick calls in homes or hospitals knew the right words, whether they spoke them eloquently or clumsily. No words left their mouths whose enunciation struck their hearers on their deathbeds as in any way hollow. They spoke the word redemption quite naturally and trustingly, never thinking of transposing this comfort into the wan and pale hope of liberation." as if the vicarious death of Jesus were only a later invention of the church to mitigate the world-transforming activity of Jesus. How lonely and abandoned by the church I would be if, I, if someone wanted to feed me in my dying moments with such, quote, liberation gruel. And here's the quote. We should seek out a few priests who still have the old faith and try to build with them a kind of island where perhaps many of the shipwrecks can still land. And who knows, if at some point the rest of the church goes under, consumed by her festering disease, our island can still become a safe haven, perhaps, in fact, the only one. And what we manufacture on this island could later turn out to be so precious, by virtue of its very scarcity, that people will later thank us, having sneered at us today. That's beautiful. beautiful. This island of humanity, which uh, uh, Father Garansky uh, has spoken of reflecting on Balthazar's work, but this idea of this island of humanity where tradition can flourish, that we would actually manufacture something that would be so precious because in the whole world, people don't find those things. Yeah. you know. I hope that you have had this experience before too, where you invite somebody into your family mm. and they're actually kind of overwhelmed yeah because they don't have that experience yeah absolutely They don't have the experience of stability they don't have the experience of like families with lots of kids yeah they don't have the experience of someone who knows how to cook yeah um instead of like just going out to Applebee's or something yeah. like that. they don't have a tradition of some of some other activity than just what everybody else in the culture does, which is watch, um, I don't know, Broncos yeah. or, you know, St. Louis Cardinals or something like that, um, that you actually have something there that is unique and scarce so that when people receive it, they're like, this is precious. Do you realize how precious of a gift you have?
0: There was a, uh, we had a new parishioner at the Fort Collins outreach and, uh, when uh, when my brother had his his third child, this this little tiny infant baby, no awareness, you know, and we're all kind of passing her around and, and everybody's so joyful at the outreach of the celebration afterwards at the social. And this guy just said, he leaned over to another parishioner and just said, wouldn't it be amazing to be born into this family? Hmm. And like just reflecting on this baby that can't appreciate anything, but it was like, he was just, he appreciated my personal family, you know, and just like... And was just a little bit envious of that, you know. And I just thought, man, I don't appreciate this enough. But it was this beautiful, like this would have been that that baby is going to be a very blessed, lucky baby, just yeah. by by the by the sheer luck and gift of God that they were born into that family. It was it was made me humbled me and made me think I need to be more appreciative for what I have.
1: Well, our family we had we had a tradition, if you will. And granted, Balthazar's talking about a tradition like scripture and tradition um, that has been passed on. But then there are small tea traditions that are related to the big tea traditions. I mean, why do we do Easter eggs? It's related to the fact that Christ rose from the dead. And we believe that, although you can't see it, that there's this life there Mm -hmm. um, that will break forth. Um, And so all of those things, like we have small tea traditions that form around these big tea traditions that only makes sense if you actually have faith. Mm-hmm. Like I saw I saw a, uh, an article on CNN. I, I should have printed it off beforehand because it actually did inspire part of this podcast, which is uh, this uh, this millennial said, I am a nun, N-O-N-E. Yeah. I am a nun, meaning no religion, but I still want Easter. Yeah. So I want to get dressed up. I want to get dressed up. I want to go on Easter egg hunts. I want to have a nice meal. So what's the big deal? Yeah. And it's like that, that's so secondary. That's so secondary to everything that you're, that you're, that you're trying to experience. Right. That it would be empty. Yeah. And I, and I actually think, I actually think there's a lot of people that, that just have a lot of emptiness because they have hollowed out this space but they don't they don't have anything to put there. I have a lot of
0: secular friends that only because I'm a priest if they have a loved one die, they'll be like, "Can you come and do something?" Mm-hmm. Like they they don't even know what it is. Like they they just say, "This is a very this is a very powerful moment." And So like I had a loved one die and you normally do things when someone dies, right? You're a priest. Don't you do those type of things, but they, they feel a need. We have to do something like there has to be some sort of ritual for this, some sort of depth, something powerful that is done that we do together to kind of commemorate this intense event.
1: I have to be able to tap into something that's deeper than just the shallowness of this experience, which actually seems to, to like have a weight that would that would go further down or up yeah. than just oh this person's dead
0: yeah you know I mean it's like even even at a funeral I mean a lot of people now they kind of just say well instead of a funeral let's just have a gathering and we'll all share stories it's like your people say this is this experience of someone's death of them their separation from us it needs something more than it needs something deeper than what we're in control of because mm-hmm. you just have people gather around and give eulogies some, you hope one's going to be powerful, you hope yours is the most powerful, you hope that someone's going to say something, but it's like, if if we humans are in complete control of the experience, it's not going to be worthy of the person, yeah. you know, but if you have something that is generations old, traditions, a funeral liturgy, I mean, you have prayers that are prayed, there's a depth to that tradition, that ancient, you know, tradition to say, we're going to bring this ancient tradition into this modern situation, and the death will give that tradition meaning, and that tradition will give the death meaning, and the, the two coming together will allow something deeper than what we control so that we are assured uh, of something beautiful happening in this moment because of the tradition of these rituals, not just because we had to perform well at the moment.
1: Yeah. I mean, really there were two, at least not just two, but two that come to mind immediately. One is um, in our family, you were home for supper. Like unless you got written written, permission from the national basketball association okay. and, you, know, <laughs> you know our parents you had to call in and say this is what i'm doing this yeah. is who i'm with whatever yeah. and it would be given you know on a case by case basis oh, right but it was not carte blanche mm. like you were expected home for supper and everyone gathered around the table and uh the rule was um you are allowed to ask mom for anything until she sits down And then you get it yourself. That's beautiful. I like it. If you need ranch sauce or salt and pepper or more water, whatever, she'll do it. Once she sat down, you had to get it yourself. (laughs) That's awesome. And then the second one was um, if you're too sick to go to mass, you're too sick to do anything. Yeah. So if you were going to miss mass like you you stayed in bed. Yeah. You know, and uh I mean if you if they knew you were like actually sick, you know, they would tend to you or whatever. You might get away with watching a movie. Right. But if you actually chose not to go to mass, my dad would treat you like an invalid. Yeah. <laughs> and he would be like, "No, you couldn't possibly, you couldn't possibly get up to do anything." Right. Like go back to bed. That's yeah. exactly that's the only thing you could possibly do all day. Yeah. And it's those small traditions that he and my, my parents kind of formed for us that actually made discipline mm. and not just like, oh man, this is such a heavy burden, but the habit of doing it led to something more. Yeah. You know, if you sit down with people and you're angry at them, your food is going to be eaten a lot differently right. and it's going to be a tense meal, but at least you're together. Yeah. That's all that mattered.
0: Yeah yeah th- those are i think and those begin to be realized when most people i think get married and start their own family when i do marriage preparation you you have this moment in the, like the when the focus inventory and things like that when you say what are the traditions you are bringing from your family because I I rarely see them kind of contradict each other or like two traditions be in competition with each other. Usually there's the way that our Lord works or, you know, families work. You can kind of incorporate a little bit of both, but to bring those traditions is you, you see it when, when couples are, not necessarily when they're getting married, but when they first have kids. Mm-hmm. And when the kids get old enough, start remembering these things. And then, then all of a sudden, those old habits, those beautiful habits, those good habits yeah. start start bearing fruit and showing forth in the kids. I mean, that's one of the things I love about our parish is that the parents... I don't know, it's just the parents and the liturgy, it's everything about it, but the kids sing the entire liturgy. I mean, I have five-year-olds in my parish who could canter the entire divine liturgy. Five-year-olds. Wow. Just because they, they, they sing at the top of their lungs, no one's stopping them. I mean, the one thing they have to stop them is because some of the kids like, will sing my parts with me, and it's like beautiful. <laughs> so you have this little girl, take it, this is my body. You know, as, as I'm singing it, she's like singing along with me, and then the parents are like, should I stop her? I'm like, when she gets to be five, stop her. Like, until then, let her do it. I mean, like, no, it's no big deal. Well, once she gets to realize, like, there's, our, there's roles in the liturgy, you know, right. you, you have a place where you can sing and answer. Um, but but it's because they just—those become habits, good habits. They sing along with it. And so, like, if I'm doing an extra liturgical blessing and I just say, let us pray to the Lord, the kids. First thing, Lord, have mercy. You know, they just come right in because that, right. that that's the habit of prayer that way. It's beautiful. These good habits, whether it's on a family or liturgy or anything like that— provide I, I i'm if I'm hearing you right, a structure that 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 moves us into the future in a substantial, deep, effective way
1: and what I would hope is that our traditions as family are rooted in our experience of faith, yeah. which is a incarnate experience which touches multiple aspects of life, yeah, so it's not just we go to mass but we don't do anything else. It's like, no, you need it. You need to make it a little more exciting than that. Right. You know, like you know, as as Kevin, my my cousin was saying, like that's the day when we drink craft beer and and eat pizza. Yeah. You know? Like and they don't do that all the times of the week. Right. Like that's the day in which we celebrate. Why do we celebrate? Because it in some ways allows us to experience and appreciate the new life that we received through christ right um and not just um well today's the day when we get fat and sassy yeah you know um i mean i i remember a lot of families growing up and then it's like what do you guys do it's like we eat tv we eat dinner around the tv yeah and i'm like that actually sounds amazing. Right. You know, you could watch Wheel of Fortune, whatever. And then you'd go <laughs> over to their house and you do it. And then the first time it's amazing. Yeah. And then the second time it's like, you, you really don't talk to each other. Right. All, you know? So, I mean, the task is, um, one, as Balthazar was saying, seek out a few priests who still know the old tradition, yeah, who still know like what happened like in the 1950s or the 1960s or 70s before the craziness what exactly were people doing what were the devotions that they had how did families come together in worship how did they dress what did they how did they speak to one another i heard an amazing story from my uncle steve that one of the most embarrassing moments for him was he heard a funny joke at school that had a dirty word in it hmm. and he he asked his dad at the dinner table Can I tell this joke? Yeah. And his dad said, "Uh, maybe, you know, like, I mean, I don't know. So he told the joke and he said the dirty word. And my grandpa was so angry because he had said that word in front of his mother. Uh, And he was embarrassed for her that she had heard it. Yeah. Now, I I look at the way I hear some kids talk to their parents. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I would never have gotten away with that, but I guarantee you that my uncle Steve would have heard me talk to my parents and be like, I would never have gotten away with that. Yeah. Like the one time that I called my dad a word that rhymes with who's rag. (laughs) Okay. I called my dad that and he goes, what did you say? And I said, nothing. And he goes, that's the last time you'll ever do that. Yeah. And it was. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, again, our traditions, our traditions should, should be rooted in something, you know, historical and sacred. So seek out those persons. And if you don't know those persons, find people that you know, actually live that. Yeah. I mean, in your own parish, I guarantee you, you have some old timers and just ask them, what did you guys do growing up? Yeah. How did you, how did you worship? What did you guys do to celebrate? you know christmas and and Easter and all of those things as you were reading
0: Balthazar, I thought uh the, the image that came to mind is kind of these this water world with these couple islands of course um that 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 are they' still functioning with, with with humanity and with culture um and my first thought was that that's exactly what parishes should be mm-hmm. i mean you you should be able to like drive around the city. And yes. you see a Catholic parish and like, here's where culture and faith and family and all these things, here's where it happens. So walk in there, knock on the door, and we should be able to provide with seekers, people that are like exhausted by the world, people that are fed up with the world. Hey, come find a Catholic church, walk in the front doors, call up the phone number whatever and like here's where we provide rest here's peace here's culture here's here's guidance for families i mean it really should be that that's what kind of what parishes are literally physical pieces of property where people can find guidance for their personal life but also where here's where you can come to meet to have that culture and rest and traditions and peace
1: mm mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It should be, it should be a, a set apart place. Yeah. It should be a consecrated place. Like, and I remember feeling that like I felt different when I was at church than when I was like Mm -hmm. at school. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't just like, Oh, here's where we sing certain songs or here's where we eat donuts. But like we experienced something very different in this place and begin to articulate words around that, Mm. you know, like as a family, like, What is it that I feel like my dad said to us as kids, you don't raise your voice on good Friday. Hmm. Like good Friday is not the day for you and your brother to like fight. Yeah. Good Friday is the day when the two of you think about your sins and Jesus and, um, like the, the effect of salvation and whatever else. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, uh, I just feel like good Friday has a different feel
0: to it. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, we, we would
0: not, we would actually maintain almost complete silence between noon and three mm o'clock on Good Friday. Yeah. Like in the car, whatever, it's like no talking. Like if, if, if we were doing something at the time, my mom was near us. It's like, nope, It's between noon and three, noon and three, Jesus was on the cross. We're not going to talk.
1: Right. But they, your kids won't know that unless you alert them to that. Right. And I told my parishioners, I said, look, Jews ask for holidays off. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Muslims ask for certain holy days off Yeah. Um, as living in a Western mindset and in a Christian Christian like post-Christian world many of our holidays are formally holy days and that's the reason why you have it off you know I want to say to these nuns guess what go to work. Because we take Christmas off because it's a holy day for us. Right. It's not a holy day for you. Tough noogies. I'll still give them Christmas. (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like, but I told them, I was like, you should be taking Good Friday off. Yeah. Take it off or work till noon. Right. Work till noon. And then you're off the rest of the day. Yeah. And just tell them this is a religious day for us. It's important day for us. You don't, you don't just go to the ski slopes or something like that. You're going to focus on your sins.
0: There, there was a, there was a beautiful moment that I actually want to. I've been thinking a lot about recently, when we had our uh, Lord's Day, not Lord's Day, our, uh, our uh, association gathering for the companions, and I forget who it was. Maybe it was even you. I think you asked, "What does it mean to live in community?" Did you ask that? Mm-hmm. You were leading. So you said, "What does it mean to live in community?" And so I, I really had to like think about if I had to establish what the ideal community was for me, and it was just I wake up in the morning. I, I'm accountable to you guys, so we pray morning prayer together. Then we go about our day. We're all pastors. We go out. We have we have parishes. We go to our par- priest, We go to our parishes. Yep. We love our people. We care for them. We get lunch with our people or on our own. We get dinner with our people who are on our own. And then in the evening we come back. Evening prayer. Let's say eight o'clock p.m. And then after evening prayer, nightcap and conversation right before going to bed. Yeah. Like all of a sudden we 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 bust out the bourbon you know, smoke a pipe with lunch, whatever, you know, and like, you know, just have that, have that wind down conversation after we prayed together twice and then go to bed and like start over and do the whole thing. Like that would be wonderful. And there's just something about the traditions that come up around prayer and then community that that could be built into the community life. Mm -hmm. And as long as we're praying together and then talking together, whether it's over a meal or whether over drinks or whatever, like there's just something... There's something eternal about that. There there I mean, people have been doing this forever and ever. I mean, this is kind of what makes humanity humanity.
1: And I, uh, I, I don't know if you saw that Samsung commercial, but like there's people watching someone experience virtual reality. Mm. And they're all laughing because this person yeah. is like <laughs> doing his own thing, right. you know? And I'm like, "Woe to us if in 50 years it's not just one person with their own virtual reality screen. Right. It's five people in the same room yeah. with their own virtual reality screen experiencing a different world than the one that they're living in. I mean, that happens already yeah. when you go out to restaurants and everybody's on their phones or you go to the house and everybody has their own TV yeah. in their own room. And then one person's watching a movie, one person's... You know watching netflix and another person's playing video games and it's like this is not yeah. we're no longer in uh a kind of uh communal experience of one thing yeah everyone's doing their own thing and i think that's exactly what the evil one wants yeah. like satisfy you on your own self-preference you know did i ever have did i have better meals at other people's houses sometimes yeah. you know but then the next time I went over there and I had it again, I was like, dang, mom made pot roast tonight. That's what I missed. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like you actually have to have a standard for your own self or your own family um, that you're they're doing. And I would say also for single people, too. I think this is really dangerous is since you're not in a familial setting, you know, it's kind of like, well, like, what do I do? You know, I don't really have like a, a rhythm. Begin your own, you know, like on Sunday, that's whenever I go to this coffee shop and I read, you know, whatever, Agatha Christie or something like that. Or I go to Wash Park, um, start making things like pleasurable for you in your own tradition or form habits like of, I'm going to pray at this hour. And then later you'll be able to invite somebody into that instead of great. I finally have a spouse. I can throw all those things out the window.
0: That's actually exactly what happened to me without meaning to. Um, but um whenever I'm like reading something I love, it ends up kind of coming out in homilies and in discussions with my friends. And I'm I'm reading um Steinbeck's East of Eden. And uh so I was talking with the uh with some of the employees at Jelly about it. And I probably brought it up like three or four weeks in a row, just like, Hey, I'm still reading this and there's some really cool parts in it. Well, we just we just started a reading a book club at Jelly with all owner, manager, employees, and we're reading *East of Eden*. Nice. And we're gonna meet every other week, and we have like we're reading 100 pages a week. We're gonna meet every other week to talk about it, and it was kind of like. You know, I go there almost every day and I sit there and I read a book and I eat and it's like, this has become a beautiful tradition of mine. And I chat, of course, with my ADD, I chat with them every once in a while, but that kind of like, it became attractive to them all of a sudden, like, let's read something, but let's talk about it, you know? And it was, it was this beautiful moment when, when the manager was like, let's just start a book club. And every barista that was there was like, every server was like, yeah, let's do it. And so we did, we just started a book club. And it was like, this is now a beautiful tradition that we do every other week. We chat about some book we're reading. You know, it's beautiful. I also had another thought, and this is interesting. Um, but we had to, we did the couple podcasts ago. We did the pornography podcast, and one of the things that Matt Frad was talking about was that um, for married people who are obviously ideally sleeping with their spouses regularly, if they get addicted to pornography, there's a certain there's a certain expectation that that comes with with pornography of you know. People that are much better looking, you know, like like physically than my spouse and things like that. And it kind of can ruin normal sexual experience with your spouse. Yeah. Pornography can ruin that. I wonder if the same thing happens with television. Like when you're watching television a lot, you're watching really interesting life happening. Like there's every episode of every television show, there's something – engaging interesting exciting radical happening because it makes a good story
1: It's in fast forward right it is
0: and so and and it's it's a whole week you know put into one day into one hour episode so like that i could see how in the same way that that pornography can kind of make the sexual act seem boring television, if we watch it a lot or movies, can actually make real life seem yeah. boring. Because we have expectations for others, not for ourselves, but for others that there that is my my relationship, every discussion we have is engaging and hilarious and, you know, hope filled and is stimulating and all these things that make television and movies, the conversation, the relationships, the community happen on those TV shows. And then we're like, well, I'd much rather watch TV than hang out with my family. Cause right. my family's boring compared to life on TV. Yep. It just, it provides a, a fantasy experience that is absolutely unrealistic mm-hmm. that we then are bored by normal life. And that's to be abhorred yep. because it's fake. It's, it, it's, it's fake life happening and the devil convinces us that that's, that can be real. And then when we realize that we are not making it that exciting. I'm not as funny as people on TV. I'm not as engaging or as, as much of a conversationalist. And then we start to, to feel despairing of ourselves. Yeah. You know, well, my family's not that exciting, but neither am I, you know, that just leads to, ugh yeah. despair, depression, everything. No wonder.
1: It's a great point.
0: So many people are in such a sad state.
1: Yeah. I mean, cause what they're looking for are characters on like in this drama instead of actual people yeah. in relationship. Yeah. That, Yes, it's drama, but sometimes it's just life. Yeah. You know? Um, so anyways, uh, yeah, I think that's a great point. So, I mean, uh, if you if you have traditions, you want to send them in, you want to give people advice, maybe we can start like a you know, little page or something on there Facebook and just say, you know, what are your traditions as family? And you can read through those. Beautiful so,
0: family traditions. Yeah. Amen.
1: So, yeah. Facebook's
0: easy enough, too. You can post those on Facebook,
1: guys all right shout outs yes here we go i do want to give a shout out i already talked about her but uh to bonnie and lydia engstrom uh her husband's name is stuart i don't know his name sorry i only wrote bonnie and lydia Um, uh, he just made up a name for his husband yeah exactly Uh, It's probably Steve or something like that. Um, Anyways, uh, she's the one that came to Chillicothe to to hear my mass um, with uh, my cousin Kevin. Um, They're longtime listeners. Uh, Their son is actually the miracle baby that is being investigated for the cause of the beatification of Fulton Sheen. Wow. So That is awesome. Yeah, he was stillborn for... 51 minutes oh and then gosh. came back to life. Wow. Um, so if you can continue to pray for him, but uh, I'm supposed to give Lydia a shout out, but I can't remember why. <laughs> um, Lydia Engstrom, but Bonnie's been listening for a while, so God bless you.
0: I did that too. I just play it off as if, oh yeah, shout out to this person, Then I just stopped there. Okay. Uh, shout out to uh, Kathy Schinnick, who sent us Bermuda Rum Cake yes. Company Cakes. I guess you live in Bermuda? Do you live in
1: Bermuda? No, she's Catherine. visiting.
0: Oh, you were visiting Bermuda. Okay. And you sent us these cakes. Um, yes. So, yeah, I guess you had emailed the podcast and either Brother Tim or I were helpful in our response and so you sent us a gift. So, thank you for... One of them is called Rum Swizzle.
1: That was uh, Olo's nickname in college. <laughs> Rum Swizzle. Rum
0: Swizzle. All right, Snoop Dogg. All right. Um, and then uh, also shout out to my my uh, fraternal group. I'm playing hooky from fraternal group to record this podcast. It's true. And shout out to my sister, Teresa O'Loughlin, who I am playing hooky from having lunch with her as I do every Friday also for this podcast. She understands. So she said she's as long as she gets a shout out, then she'll forgive All right. me. <laughs> shout out, Teresa O'Loughlin and your gorgeous little daughter, Mara, your husband, Colin. Etc.
1: Okay. All right, folks. Uh, we are just under the hour mark, so we are going to say sayonara. Sayonara. Uh, Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com.
0: Like us on Facebook, like us on iTunes. We we now have over a thousand, over a thousand one hundred five star recommendations on iTunes. Whoa. Yeah, go I us. No and we have all, we have like 400 and something actual, like written written um, reflections, whatever they call them, reviews on iTunes as well.
1: Thanks a lot. Yeah.
0: So thank you for those. And also thank you for the, now that Facebook has a review feature. Um, I think the good in this, you know, we, uh, you guys did the podcast, Success is Not a Name of God. Obviously we're not, we don't care about these things for success's sake, but I think it really does help. The reason why why iTunes and Facebook does this is because if people are looking for a new podcasts to listen to, right. then they're obviously going to look, look at the highly reviewed ones. So you guys reviewing us Um, does help evangelize and get the word out about the podcast. Since we don't make any money off this, it's nice to get the word out and do real evangelization if this is actually helping people. So, yeah. Thank you. All right. God bless you all. Love you. Thanks.
1: Okay. We'll see you next week.